Welcome to Millennial 723. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. On today's episode, we'll discuss rising prices around the country and maybe the world, Juneteenth, traditional versus streaming TV viewing habits, Anthony Mackie being in hot water over comments he made about people who ship Sam and Bucky, and it's finally time for another surprise bitch. But first, I must issue an apology. We dropped the ball last week. All last Monday, Twitter was on fire with talk of Batman eating out Catwoman. I missed this until after we finished recording last week's episode, and I was having a ball to myself. It's it's days like that where you really love Twitter, where all the horribleness on Twitter is worth it. <laughs> um, so what happened was last Monday, we learned that DC asked the Harley Quinn TV show to remove a scene from season three in which we would see Batman performing oral sex on Catwoman. DC said, quote, And this is according to The Hollywood Reporter. Heroes don't do that. We sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. (laughs) So, of course, all day Monday, Twitter was debating if Batman would do cunnilingus. Or do cunnilingus? Perform. Perform cunnilingus. Sorry, I I never do it, so I don't know how to to say it to a woman. (laughs) May I perform? (laughs) This is also sort of like the appropriate like academic journalistic way to refer to eating pussy right yeah but we so. are not professionals here on the show no so so we you can, can just, just say, say eat pussy yeah okay good because i'll say like eat ass but not perform ass <laughs> perform ass <laughs> anyway one of the best parts of the story was a few days later justice league director Zack snyder tweeted an image of batman eating out catwoman and included the caption Canon. <laughs> That's that was the tweet. Canon with that picture. So I guess first of all, my question is: Do you guys agree Batman would go down on on a woman? I feel like he would. Yeah, yeah he's like hooking up with women left and right all the yeah. time. There's no he's way. Batman. He's a badass. Of course he would do that. Yeah, and also I disagree with the whole argument because I I saw some people interacting with this on Twitter and being like, no, heroes do do that. And I'm like, eh, I don't think that somebody gets like a gold star just for doing something pleasurable for their partner. Like that should be uh, a standard in relationships, right? Both ways. Mm. It should go both ways. Right. right. Recipro- reciprocity is important. Um, But I got really annoyed by some of the rhetoric that was like, no, heroes do eat pussy. (laughs) And it's like, well, not just heroes, like anybody can. (laughs) Right. It's okay. And it reminded me of how Disney and Lucasfilm handled Rey in the newest Star Wars movies. Despite the fact that she was the lead in that trilogy... Her appearance was reduced on shirts, in toy sets, etc. And you might remember the scandal was called uh, Hashtag Where's Ray on Twitter. And the assumption was they were afraid to feature her in action figure sets, on t-shirts prominently, etc. Because they thought it would hurt sales. Boys wouldn't want to buy toys with a girl in it. They wouldn't want to buy a shirt with a girl on it. They're so afraid to try. Who cares if Batman eats out Catwoman on a show that, by the way, nobody watches? This show does not affect toy sales, right? I mean, the show, Pam, what is the show even on? Well, I don't I don't know. It's on HBO Max now. It was a DC Universe original. DC Universe is the streaming service that you probably never heard about unless you're super into comics. Um, they realized they were losing money. So now they're just a comic hub and they sold all of their original programming to HBO Max. So that's where this Harley Quinn show is now. But the thing is, too, is that this caters to a very specific audience. And I'm sure that that very specific audience would have no problem seeing Batman go down on right. It's fine. So that was going to be my question because I'm not familiar personally, but I would have to assume that a Harley Quinn show is not G-rated to begin with. So why is this a deal breaker? <laughs> but the thing is, like, what they're really saying too is that they they feel like men don't want to see that represented in their heroes, you know, which is like really yeah, dumb I feel like they would. because it's always like. 
it's always like the male scope at which they're they're kind of tackling this even like with the um the example that you just brought up with disney and lucasfilm erasing ray from the merchandise they literally did that because they said that that like boys wouldn't want to purchase those things if they saw a girl featured yeah so that implies that there's no woman that would want to you know purchase that merchandise and it also just implies that like the majority of people purchasing merchandise would be uncomfortable by it based on a plot point. So unless they're going to make a toy depicting this sex act between Batman <laughs> right. and Catwoman, I don't see the problem. Right. And you know, the scene would probably only be like 30 seconds in the show. It's hardly reflective oh, yeah. of Harley Quinn and Batman and Catwoman. I just what cracks me up is people are in high positions of power getting paid a ton of money to make terrible decisions like this. It just it's another reminder that no matter how high up somebody is, they could still be very stupid. And I just want to see brands and these these people who are in charge of making products move past being so fearful of Batman eating pussy, of a woman being in the lead. I like Juan, you just try it and see how it goes. And, you know, if Ray was featured prominently in these toy sets and on shirts and uh, sales sunk or stunk that wouldn't be your fault you're just featuring the lead character the puck stops with you know bob Iger and other heads kathleen kennedy not you michelle in our discord is bringing up a great point would they have changed it if the roles were reversed as in catwoman giving batman head <laughs> now that's a debate i don't know if batman would want his ass eaten out but maybe i'm wrong oh no 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 giving him head Oh, not eating his ass. <laughs> oh, hey, oh, well, yeah, that's a good question. My question was better. Sorry, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any other other examples, by the way, situations like this or where's Ray that you can think of? I had one, but it, it like kind of counts, but not really. And the only one I could think of was how Beauty and the Beast made this whole, uh, you know, they, they like had these headlines about Hello Fu was going to be gay and it was kind of a cop out because he was never actually explicitly gay there was like one tiny scene that implied but they had to take it out for Chinese cinema because they were so scared of losing money in China mm-hmm. which is really dumb because it was never like explicitly mentioned that the character was gay at all it was just implied and they still wanted their pat on the back for that representation when it wasn't really even there mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, I was thinking about that with the most recent uh, Star Wars film that had that blink and you'll miss it gay moment between two women hugging or kissing. And they're like so far in the background that you would have to know when to look for it to even see it. So, right. yeah, it's just another example of studios trying to... um walk a fine line in terms of appeasing people who are more socially progressive and a lot of governments that are still pretty backwards on these topics. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it just feels like a convenience thing for them. It doesn't feel like anybody's taking a real stand. Yeah. Thank you, Twitter, for the laughs last week. I greatly appreciated them. And Laura, you have some other food news to report on. Food news, yeah. This Communion. is a different kind. This is a kind of a different kind of food. Um, so the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, which consists of all Catholic bishops in the United States and the U.S. Virgin Islands, voted to draft a formal statement on the meaning of the Eucharist in the life of the Church. If approved, such a statement could prevent Joe Biden and other pro-choice politicians from receiving. Holy Communion. Um, I thought this was, it seems so bizarre to me because, uh, you know, Joe Biden, along with, I think, 60 uh, members of the House of Representatives are all practicing Catholics. Um, So it's just so strange to see a major religious institution talking about denying Holy Communion um, from people who are two people who are really prominent members of the church. And I just have to say, I'm non-religious person here. I cannot even begin to understand the importance of being able to receive that sacrament. But as an outsider looking in, it just comes across as deeply fucked up. 
Yeah, deeply. Like you said, Biden is a practicing Catholic. He's the real deal. He's not a fake Catholic or Christian like Trump was. Biden's at church every Sunday. He takes it very seriously. And now they're trying to deny him communion because they don't agree on abortion. It's sickening. It's really sickening. I feel bad for Biden. I don't know how he actually feels about this. I think he kind of shrugged it off. He didn't think it would actually come to pass. But I mean, imagine taking this away from a guy who really does care about his religion and his faith. Yeah, this also really turned my stomach, um, especially because, look, I'm not like a... I'm not a like a practicing Catholic really anymore. I'll go to church with my grandparents and stuff like that. But, you know, for a lot of people, this is a really important sacrament. It makes them feel like they this this is like a weird way to say it, but it makes them feel like they've kind of been like cleansed. You know, you're really supposed to only take um, communion after you've like gone to confession recently. And it's kind of just like a way for a lot of people to turn over a new leaf. People also do this when they're trying to um, pray for something that they're looking for in their life as well. Um, So just like there are tons of different reasons why people take communion and the fact that they're really politicizing this when um, the entire basis of you know, religion is supposed to be that that God loves you and in Catholicism as well, that like you can apologize for the sins and your trespasses and God will still love you. It's just really messed up that they've decided to draw the line here. Yeah. So that was going to be my question to the panel. I mean, I feel like, you know, and I can only speak to what what my anecdotal experiences have been growing up in this country. But I believe what it's supposed to mean, and it sounds like what you're saying, Pam, is there's an acceptance that human beings are not going to be 100% perfect all the time. And even if the church has a particular stance on something, they're still supposed to love and embrace, or in an ideal world, they would love and embrace everyone. Uh and ultimately hope for everyone's salvation. (laughs) So this just feels very backwards. I mean, theoretically, right, if you really believed that, like, like, if you really believed that, that, like, that if you got an abortion or someone you knew got, well, it would have to be you, right? If a woman really believed that in getting an abortion, she was going to go to hell or something, then she could go, theoretically, to um, confession, and talk it through with the priest. But the whole idea of confession is that you're supposed to be forgiven in the end anyway. Right. So, yeah, it really just makes no sense to me. Well, we'll have to see what comes of this. Meanwhile, you know, people statistically, the number of people who are practicing religion has been steadily declining. And this does not help them win back people. Right. You see stuff like this and it's like, well, I hope you don't wonder why. Yeah. So something that I want to talk about this week was the idea of inflation, because this is something that has been brought up in the news a lot. You know, people are talking about how the price of goods are going up and not just like on the mass scale, but also just on everyday things that you might buy regularly. Um, I didn't really notice this until I went grocery shopping this weekend And I was picking up dog food for Jasper and noticed that it went up a couple of dollars from the last time that I had purchased it. And, you know, a couple of dollars is fine. He needs food. I'm happy to buy him food. But it's really the principle of the matter that, you know, it was up three or four bucks from the last time I purchased it. And it just really, like, took me back to actually kind of see something that I was hearing about in the news, like, happening to me. At the store. So I wanted to know if you guys had noticed um, some of the things that you buy normally or, or maybe just things that you were thinking about purchasing have now gone up in price. I saw a headline today saying that chicken wings have oh, become no. more expensive. Oh. Don't they dare touch the chicken wings. <laughs> Do you think this is all because of the pandemic? Because I know a couple of types of things like lumber and pool materials, uh, the cost of building a pool has gone up a lot. Because of the pandemic, I'm not building a house or a pool, but I I see this talk of this in Facebook groups. Yeah, some of it is supply and demand, of course. But I think what people are really starting to look at now is whether or not this is going to last 
like past the, I guess, the rehabilitation process of the nation. But um, it's kind of like it's hard to say, honestly. Um, So there are a couple from what I understand, there are a couple of different reasons why this is happening. Um, One is obviously supply issue, but also there's like a there's a labor force issue as well. So a lot of these places don't have the the means with which to provide um, the amount that people are looking to purchase. And so until that gets fixed. Yeah. I, and I think you can see this reflected when you walk into retail institutions in some places. Um, I'm having to spend a whole lot more time in home improvement stores than I would like at the moment. And I was in Home Depot over the weekends. And when I was in there, they only had self-checkout open There was nobody working any of the checkout lanes. They had one person at the customer service desk. And everybody else was dedicated towards trying to just run the store. And there were carts of stuff everywhere that needed to be put away. It was really hard to navigate the store because of it. And I just have to think, if they're having trouble staffing people at that level, what does it look like at the supply chain, right? Mm -hmm. And to the point about pricing, I also noticed that drywall was like, at least double the price that people were used to pre-pandemic. So even if you're trying to do something simple like drywall part of your home, that's going to be more expensive. I've actually I'm reading a book right now called Nomadland, and it's it was uh, turned into a movie last year, and uh, of course won the Oscar right for best picture. I think it won. Um, and the author follows a couple of people who are older in age and try to work at home improvement stores and they don't pay anything. And this was a few years ago. So I'm sure that has not changed over the past few years, at least not much. And yeah, I mean, as we've discussed before, people are fed up with these low wages and they're they're making a good amount of money through unemployment for the time being. And they're just like, it's time to go elsewhere. I, I'm not dealing with this anymore. And in a way, it's a good thing in that it might force these companies, like in your case, Laura, your example's case, Lowe's and Home Depot, to finally start raising their wages. I also did want to mention, kind of on a similar note, I don't know if you two have heard this, but used car sales are through the roof right now because of this chip shortage, this computer chip shortage. Everything with a computer chip in it is uh, suffering from this issue right now because of this chip shortage. And uh, because these car makers are producing less cars, there's more of a demand for used cars. So all of our existing cars, cars that we already own, if you try to sell them right now, you can make more than you normally would. For example, uh, Pat's car was worth about 5000 more than it would have been even six months ago. So he actually just sold his car yesterday because he was thinking of uh, selling soon and getting a new car and uh he traded it in for a for a brand new ford escape so he's very happy with that i mean you know this is like free money right now practically cars never appreciate in value i mean some like rare ones will but you know that's the standard car will never the moment you take that off the lot it's worth a lot less and right now all cars are going up in value so if you've been thinking of selling your car and getting a new one go to carmax go to vroom it's very easy you pop in the license plate or the uh, VIN number, and it'll give you an offer. And all these places will match each other's offers. And I wonder, too, if this is a result of um, what the car economy has looked like over the last couple of years. Again, this is just anecdotal, but um, I have a Toyota Prius, and it's a few years old. Every time I'm at the dealer for some reason, they try to talk me into trading it in Mm -hmm. um, because they were like, we don't have enough used cars for people on our lot. And this was pre-pandemic that this was going on. So I wonder if there was already a demand starting to simmer and then the pandemic just made it explode. You should pop your car into CarMax just for fun. Just see what (laughs) they offer. I'll do it when I have some downtime. Maybe I'll do it in After Dark and (laughs) see what they say. (laughs) We can make bets on uh, how much CarMax is going to offer Laura for a car. And I, okay. so the dealer at Ford told us over the weekend that one of his friends sold his car on CarMax just to grab that extra money. Because we don't know how long this is going to last. All this demand is going to last and these no, values are going to last. So he sold his car just for the hell of it to get that extra cash. I was like, respect. That's something I would do. 
<laughs> I might do that if I if I had access to better public transportation, honestly. Yeah, why not? And then buy again later when all this smooths mm-hmm. out. And by the yeah. way, this chip shortage is going to last probably another year, at least, they're projecting. So this issue might not go away for a while. All right. Well, Andrew will be kicking off pop culture for us shortly. But first, Pam and I have a quick word from one of our favorite sponsors, Way. I have to confess, I have not had a haircut since January of 2020 because of the pandemic. So my ends have seen better days. And I'm a frequent dry shampoo user, too. So that means my hair can always use a little extra TLC. Thankfully, I've been a longtime user of Whey products and was already familiar with their clarifying detox shampoo. Not only is Way's signature Melrose Place fragrance obsession-worthy, my hair always feels so clean and soft after I use the detox shampoo and the conditioning hair mask. Pam, how are your Way products treating you? Oh my gosh, so good. I feel like every time I use this, it just revitalizes my hair. Um, the nice thing about the detox shampoo is that you're not really supposed to use it every day. Um, but if you use dry shampoo like Laura and I do, or even if you follow like a sulfate paraben free regimen for your hair like I do, it just really helps get rid of all that extra buildup. And I always notice a difference because my hair just looks a lot lighter. It looks a lot fuller. Um, like my natural curls and waves just look a lot better shaped. I'm glad you mentioned that because another thing I love about the detox shampoo from Way is that it's great for all hair types, even hair treated with keratin, chemicals, color, or a Brazilian blowout. Just use once a week to neutralize product buildup, oil, dirt, and hard water from your hair and scalp without stripping away moisture. And if you can't get enough way, check out their full collection of cruelty, sulfate, and paraben-free hair care, body, and fragrance products. When you're ready to undo some damage, hit the reset button with Way Detox Shampoo. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and use code M-I-L-L to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and use code M-I-L-L for 15% off today. So Nielsen, who monitors TV viewership, has a new way to measure streaming, and they have some new streaming versus traditional TV viewership numbers to share, and I thought they were pretty interesting. Their new metric called the Gauge measures streaming TV viewership by monitoring what is passing through 14,000 internet routers in U.S. homes. Nielsen used to only measure using microphones placed in households to listen for what they were watching, which is a little creepy. Netflix used to criticize this old method. They called it very inaccurate. But in the past week, they've actually come out in support of the new modem measurement method. So it has revealed that in May 2021, people were spending 64% of their TV time watching network and cable TV. 26% watching streaming services, and 9% of the time they were playing video games or watching DVRs. In the streaming part of the pie, Netflix and YouTube were 6% of total TV time, Hulu was 3%, Amazon 2%, and Disney Plus 1%. I was actually surprised that Disney Plus was only 1%, but I guess it is the newest of these, so maybe that's why. Mm. Uh, Nielsen estimates streaming is growing at 6% per year, so at some point... Uh, streaming will surpass traditional uh, television, you know, cable and network. So I wanted to ask you, do these numbers align with our own habits? Because I feel like the three of us here spend the more the majority of our time watching streaming. Yeah, I don't have cable. So all yeah. I do is stream. Yeah, same. Yeah. I mostly stream as well. And I think I might, I'm looking at these numbers, I might um, flip Disney and Amazon. But other than that, I think that this makes sense because um, Netflix and YouTube offer way more of a variety of content. Um, Hulu makes sense in that second spot because people will use that to catch up on network television that they missed. And Disney Plus is just like a very specific niche kind of content. So they're really only catering to um, specific type of viewers. 
Yeah. Everybody forgets that Amazon has the original content. I know I always do. I know. I so, The only yeah. thing I watch on there is Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I know there's a couple other good shows. Me but... too. And like in Fleabag, but that's over. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's it. And I think Downton Abbey was on there for a time. They just moved back to Netflix for some reason. Hmm. These streaming wars. Oh, did they? Interesting. Yeah. I have to make sure my mom knows. She'll be thrilled. Yes. In fact, I'm going to come over and we can binge it. I've been itching for another Downton Abbey binge. Um, I have to tell you, my mom would love nothing more, Andrew, <laughs> if you came over and just sat down with her and drank some hot tea and cuddled under a blanket and watched out Navi. She would be that thrilled. Really tea cute. and scones. <laughs> and our dog, yeah. uh, Isis. Isis. <laughs> <laughs> and like a fun drinking game every time Maggie Smith says something good, which is like every episode. Yeah, 64%. Of people spend their TV time watching network and cable TV. That is not me at all, though. I do still watch Jeopardy. I watch a little bit of local news, SNL, and th- like Shark Tank, too, because it, it airs endlessly on CNBC. And I love that show. That, yeah, that it's kind of interesting. That's it's. Oh, well, I guess it's cable, too. Um, So I guess maybe people tune into like HBO. Do they count that as I think so. Like all of these networks that have streaming services now, do they count that as network television or streaming? Because that would be my question. Well, I think it just depends on which way you're watching that. Okay. Okay. Got it. It's a good reminder that we very much live in a bubble here and this is not most of America. So um, I want to talk about Anthony Mackie, who obviously has been in the news off and on because of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, he's not really in the news this past week for good news. He's kind of catching a little bit of heat for the way he responded when asked about what uh, people shipping Sam and Bucky on the show. Uh, so this interview actually came out as part of Variety's Award Circuit podcast, in which the hosts asked about fans who outright want Sam and Bucky to become a couple. And Anthony Mackie definitely put his foot in it here. So this is what he had to say about that. He said, so many things are twisted and convoluted. There's so many things that people latch onto with their own devices to make themselves relevant and rational. The idea of two guys being friends and loving each other in 2021 is a problem because of the exploitation of homosexuality. It used to be guys could be friends. We can hang out and it was cool. You would always meet your friends at the bar. You know, you can't do that anymore because something as pure and as beautiful as homosexuality has been exploited by people who are trying to rationalize themselves. So did you all see Luca this weekend? Oh, my God. They are totally gay. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Twitter obviously was, you know, a flurry with this and these comments. Uh, Some people were saying that they are just completely over actors and creators weighing in on the subject of gay shipping. Others were saying that while Mackie phrased things poorly, they can kind of see what he was trying to get at in terms of this idea that, you know, um, uh, sensitive traits in male characters or like affectionate male friendships have to automatically mean that those characters are gay. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about this because I thought it was pretty interesting. And this is something that we're seeing happening more and more in terms of like entertainment and pop culture where, you know, questions about shipping and even like fan created content, like fan fiction or fan art, sometimes, sometimes explicit and sometimes not is more and more being asked um, or being brought up to creators and actors that, that make these shows. Whereas before, I don't think we ever really saw that. I think the right way to have answered this question, because it doesn't sound like Anthony Mackie buys into the reading or the interpretation that Sam and Bucky, um, are, you know, a romantic pairing. And that's fine, right? But it's also fine if other people read it that way, because it's a TV show. It's not real, and it's not hurting anyone. So I feel like the right way to have answered this would have been, you know what, like, based on my interpretation of the role, and the way that I see these characters, they come across to me as just a great representation of male bonding and male friendships that allow men to not necessarily fit into these stereotypical gender roles and that that's okay. And, you know, he could have also said, but if that's the interpretation that feels most authentic to you, then that's fine. Maybe he was just tired of being asked the question. I imagine he's been asked a bunch of times. But Mr. Mackey, you also have to understand we are desperate 
for some gay characters on any of these shows that we watch. So we have to look for it everywhere to find the smallest hints. That's how thirsty we are. That's how deprived we are. So don't blame us. (laughs) Blame the man above you who is writing these characters and no homoing them all the time because we just want some representation and some gay love and Batman eating out Catwoman. We want it all. We're horny and lonely. And we want to see this on television. Well, and there's no denying that they have great chemistry, right? So yeah. I can completely understand people reading into that. Again, they're fictional characters. I really never understand why people um, throw such a fit over other people's interpretations of fictional characters' identities. <laughs> like... Yeah. You know, it it's a you it's know, a platform that can allow people to take in art and media in a way that feels authentic to them. And I just don't see why it has to be this kind of conversation with actors and creators, you know? Yeah. And I think too the thing is is that people tend to forget or don't maybe don't know the cardinal rule of of fandom and and fanfic and anything that's like fan created, which is one, if you don't like it, don't read it. And two, just ship and let ship. You know, <laughs> like there's space for everybody on the internet. Um, and and at the end of the day, I feel because the thing is too, it's not just like these media outlets who are asking um actors, actresses, uh, or or creators about you know, their interpretations of these characters romantically or not. A lot of times, too, it's also fans at these fan conventions, like every year at Comic-Con, no matter what the panel, I feel like I see some poor soul get up there and ask, you know, about some kind of gay ship, which is fine. But I I just want to tell them, like, that more often than not, they're not going to get the answer they want. Because, like, at best... Somebody will say, yeah, that's totally going to happen or I can see that happening. And then they'll get their hopes up and realize that it's never actually going to happen on the show. So it's kind of like queer baiting. But at worst, you're going to get something like this. that's really going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. Um, So it just like it doesn't really matter what they think, because you can interpret fiction however you want to interpret it. And I want to assume positive intent here on Mackie's part. To me, when I read this, it seems like what he's trying to articulate is that we do not have very many representations of platonic male relationships um, that can be rooted in higher levels of sensitivity and understanding. And so it seems to me like what he's saying here is that Because we're lacking those types of representations, people see it on occasion and automatically think that the characters must be gay because of the nature of their relationship. And so to that point, I would say I agree with him. I think that's true. But the answer to it is not to shut down somebody's theorizing. The answer to it is to provide better representation of all kinds of people. Easier said than done. And I think he should also remember, and people who kind of have this take, who are involved with these shows and movies and books and whatnot, is that this drives a lot of excitement and engagement and just passion amongst the viewers. And that's a good thing because they'll come back for future seasons and whatnot. So let them speculate. Let, Let them get excited. Keep that carrot dangling, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> tease us so yeah. so we hang around <laughs> haven't you had an experience with this andrew i yeah so when stephanie meyer published midnight sun i decided to ask her or actually this was before she published midnight sun but she said she was definitely it, it was definitely going to be published i asked her in an interview if she would be up for publishing a book in which uh, Edward and Jacob get together, because if she's going to do Midnight Sun, if she's going to do, you know, the oh, I said, I said, because you did the gender bent Twilight is the room for like an Edward Jacob Twilight where they get together. She gave me a look of death. It looked like she wanted to kill me for suggesting that Stephanie Meyer is Mormon. And I, I don't know how she feels about gay people. She has 
uh, smartly kept quiet on the topic because <laughs> she would lose a lot of fans if she decided to open up with her true feelings. I think I could be wrong. Maybe she has opened up, but I don't think she's opened up and been like, I hate gay people because that would have caused I a don't... big backlash. Yeah, I don't think she said anything on the topic, probably because she recognizes a significant portion of the most rabid Twilight fan base are gay people. Um, and at least she can she's smart enough to see the dollar signs. But yeah, I thought it I thought it was very telling that she had that reaction to you asking her that question because she's not stupid. She doesn't live in a vacuum. She knows what the social landscape looks like right now, right? Yeah. She kind was of just a, like, an obvious question. Yeah. I was like, Stephanie, so Edward Jacob book one day? No. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was awkward. Well, hey, maybe you can write your own Edward Jacob fan fiction and then change all the characters' names and publish it. <laughs> oh, I could be the next E.L. James. <laughs> yeah. That's a great idea. I don't care that much about Twilight, but it's not a bad idea, Laura. I have another quick update for all of you Disney Plus subscribers. Uh, in case you missed it, they are officially moving all of the release dates for original series to Wednesdays. So no more Fridays for TV shows that they're producing. All the episodes will be coming out on Wednesdays instead. Original movies are still going to be released on Fridays, though. So just keep that in mind. And this is really coming on the heels of Loki launching its new episodes on Wednesdays instead of the traditional Friday, which I know that we discussed before the show came out. But I wanted to know, since a couple of episodes have aired now, how you guys are liking this new Wednesday release format. Personally, I keep forgetting that I don't have to wait until Friday to watch new episodes. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. It must have worked out well for Disney Plus if they've decided to put all their TV shows on Wednesdays. And getting back to what I was bringing up earlier in terms of viewership, uh, Disney at 1%, maybe they're thinking moving to Wednesdays will make it easier to compete with these other people because they're not releasing new shows earlier in the week. Because I think a lot of these other ones do release on Fridays. I know Hulu did with Love, Victor, for example, which was really good. I keep meaning to watch that, actually. That's interesting, Pam, that they're going to keep the movie releases on Fridays because I speculated or somebody else did that they were moving things to Wednesday so they didn't have to compete with Disney theatrical releases on Fridays. Yeah, I don't know about that. At the news report I saw, I believe it was from The Hollywood Reporter, just mentioned that their original movies are going to be streaming on Fridays. Okay. Um, but Beth is asking in the Discord, does this affect shows that are already airing like High School Musical, the musical, the series? Uh, it does not, but they have shifted upcoming releases for series over to Wednesday. So something like Monsters at Work was originally slated to be released on a Friday. It's now being released on the Wednesday before or the Wednesday after, uh, Turner and Hooch as well has moved their release date to a Wednesday. Did you see Luca, Pam? I did. It was cute, right? I thought, yeah, I thought it was cute. I don't think it's my like my new favorite Disney Pixar, but I thought it was really sweet. Yeah. Did you I like it? Yeah, I think it's up there in terms of Pixar's best. It was a simpler story, but it was beautiful. The setting, oh my yeah, gosh, in the Italian so Riviera. Ugh. There's one like dream sequence in there that was just like it was stunning yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah i think so i think so and adorable characters and of course it's always fun looking out for pixar easter eggs which is a little easier when you're doing it at home i think i saw the pizza planet truck that was the one easter egg i saw i was like yes whoo oh <laughs> i got that paying more attention i was just like immersed in the, in the colors it was really vibrant it, w- it was and it's a shame that this movie a brand new pixar movie completely skipped theaters. We spoke about this a few months ago. We had heard it was reported in The Hollywood Reporter that uh, people at Pixar were really upset that their film that they poured their their life into was skipping theaters entirely. That hasn't happened for Pixar. Yeah, that would have been anyway, that would have been a great one to see in theaters because of how vibrant it was. But yeah, Laura, check it out. And by the way, it's free, unlike other Disney releases. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. All right, before we jump into a discussion on Juneteenth, we are once again happy to be sponsored by Felix Gray because we are using our new glasses all the time and we are loving them. Felix Gray makes blue light filtering glasses. Felix Gray's glasses filter 15 times more blue light than the other glasses out there. It's just a fact that blue light is bad for your eyes. It can make your eyes feel tired, sore, 
burn, itch, even water, all these problems. It can also cause headaches, difficulty focusing, and as we've heard over the years, it can make it harder to fall asleep. Making matters worse, we're told by our phones that they offer blue light filters, but those alleged modes don't actually do anything because the screen is still emitting the blue light, just with a yellow-orange color thrown over top of it. Felix Grey glasses put a barrier between the blue light and your eyes. I very quickly noticed an improvement, and now I can't imagine working without the glasses on a daily basis. You can wear these when you're not working, too. Not only do they look great, but they also work with LED light bulbs, Kindles, TVs, and phones, basically any screen. They're available with and without prescriptions, and they come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Get yourself a pair of glasses made for the 21st century and designed for modern, hardworking eyes. You have nothing to lose except maybe eye strain. So go to felixgrayglasses.com slash M-I-L-L for the best blue light glasses on the market. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash M-I-L-L. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges. Felixgrayglasses.com slash M-I-L-L. They're definitely saving my eyes. I've been wearing mm-hmm. them all day today. And I actually got complimented today when I was in a meeting Ooh, on the glasses. So, oh, love yeah. that. They're cute and functional. Yes. Well, as Andrew mentioned, today for politics, we're going to focus on Juneteenth, which is now a federal holiday here in the United States. While Juneteenth is probably its most recognizable name at this point in history, you may have also heard it referred to as Emancipation Day, Jubilee Day, Juneteenth National Freedom Day, or Juneteenth Independence Day. Juneteenth marks the day in 1865 that a group of enslaved people in Galveston, Texas, found out they were free. This is a particularly notable date because the Emancipation Proclamation, which declared an end to slavery in the United States, was issued by Abraham Lincoln three years earlier in 1862. Uh, Because compliance with the proclamation was inconsistent and some states were even exempt from it until 1865, the end of slavery came much later for some. Now, that's obviously the Reader's Digest uh, summary of what Juneteenth is, and we know there are voices and sources that are much better poised to speak to its significance than we are here on this show. However, based on our conversation about critical race theory and public schools a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to ask the panel to discuss when we first learned about Juneteenth. And I'm happy to go first here and say that I only learned about Juneteenth within the last three or so years. And the reason for it was noticing um, businesses and organizations in the Atlanta area started acknowledging it um, and recognizing it through various programs or even signage um, that they would put up. So that's where I learned about it. Um, And it's absolutely a reflection on uh, my public schooling in you yeah. know this country that I didn't know about it until I was like 29 years old. I feel like I've only started hearing about it and I learned about it in the past couple of years as well. It was pretty prominent last year, A, because of George Floyd, I think, mm-hmm. but B, because Trump, remember, had scheduled, I think, his first rally back. In Tulsa on June 19th, Tulsa, the site of the deadliest incident of white supremacist violence in the history of the United States. But related to the Tulsa massacre in Juneteenth, I've also heard it suggested that Juneteenth has become more prominent in recent years, thanks in part to HBO's Watchmen, which took the Tulsa massacre as a starting point to explore racist violence and was available for free last Juneteenth. Um... HBO was promoting that episode of Watchmen last Juneteenth to remind people about the anniversary. And that episode caused a lot of discussion online about police violence and white supremacy. I only give Watchmen a little credit because I know it was a wildly popular show when it was airing a couple years ago. I can't remember when Watchmen came out, but Blackish had a Juneteenth episode a couple of years ago as well. And I think that was the first time I really saw it on like the main stage in a, you know, like a network television show that a lot of people were watching. It wasn't just like 
you know, something that was um, specifically targeted, maybe like advertising wise to black audiences. Um, I can't quite remember when I started hearing the term tossed around. Um, I remember learning about, uh, you know, the history behind it in school, but I don't think I, I heard the term Juneteenth being used until maybe a couple of years ago as well. So that's relatively new for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, and I figured there would be somewhat of a difference in terms of um, our level of awareness of this history at the schooling level, because I can say growing up in Georgia, the way this is taught, the Emancipation Proclamation automatically ended slavery. Like it was done with that. And it's only been in my adult life that I learned that that's not at all what happened. And it's just, I think, another example of how our public schools are really failing. At least some public schools, I can't paint with a broad brush, but some public school curriculums are really failing students on this topic. And I would argue it's the reason why we have um, quite a sizable chunk of the population that is unable to approach the conversations surrounding race and racism with any level of nuance because they don't understand the history. Yeah, I mean, like, I want to, I don't, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I do want to emphasize that it was definitely like in college. I did not learn that in grade okay. school. Yeah. It. Um, and it, it was probably just because uh, a couple of, um, I don't know technically what they're called, but basically like at San Francisco State, which is where I went to school, you can take classes in different colleges and you have to take a few of those for for my major, which is journalism and international relations. So you can take like um, like African study classes or you can take American Indian studies classes or um, uh, Hispanic heritage classes and stuff like that. And so because of that, um, I signed up for a lot of these classes uh, just because I, I needed the credits. But there's so many people that don't have to take those classes. And so then you think like, right. well, I learned this in like an, a, a black studies class, but not everybody's taking black studies classes. So then like, where are they learning about all of this stuff? And the right. answer is that, that they're not. Right. It's a requirement for us to understand the history through perhaps the lens of somebody recognizable like Abraham Lincoln, but we don't get to hear about it through the lenses of the people who were enslaved. Juneteenth now obviously didn't mark the end of disenfranchisement of Black people in the United States. And we could certainly have a whole conversation about the Reconstruction era and the Jim Crow era. Um, But focusing on Juneteenth specifically, as you'd probably expect, there has already been some resistance to recognizing Juneteenth as a federal holiday. Um, And as a reminder, it is up to each state to decide if they will recognize a federal holiday as a paid or unpaid holiday, or whether they'll even acknowledge it at all. Um, So 14 House Republicans voted against making Juneteenth a national holiday. Um, The Senate passed this unanimously. So at least there's one thing the Senate can all agree on right now. Um, But these 14 House Republicans excuse for this is that they think it will create confusion between Juneteenth on June 19th and Independence Day, July the 4th, and ultimately force Americans to pick one or the other to celebrate based on their race. (laughs) Because people are definitely going to be like, well, I celebrated Juneteenth, so I can't celebrate the 4th of July. Right. Um, So it's just this is deliberately obtuse. There's no way they actually think people are going to do this, right? (laughs) Oh, two holidays. Woe is me. I can't handle. Like, that's the other thing they're trying to say, too. I heard one Republican say we have enough holidays. So that's why I voted no. Well, I agree. I think that there are plenty of other holidays that we could consider um, shelving to give Juneteenth its time. Like perhaps Columbus Day would be a good way to start. Or all of the state-recognized Confederate Heroes Days that some Southern states still recognize. So yeah, there's plenty of opportunity to shift things around and place emphasis on a new holiday that is uh, reflective of this country's progress and where we could go rather than living in the past with your failed coup effort. 
Um, But what's interesting about this is that Juneteenth marks the 11th federal holiday in the U.S., um, and it's also the first holiday to gain federal observance since Martin Luther King Day was designated in 1983. Um, So it's been Mm. a long time, but we can also compare some of the resistance that Martin Luther King Day saw to the resistance that Juneteenth is seeing now. So although MLK Day was signed into law in 1983, it actually didn't take effect until 1986. And states like New Hampshire and South Carolina actually did not recognize Martin Luther King Day until the year 2000. So not so long ago. Um, To distinguish here a little bit, I will say New Hampshire did designate um, that day as Civil Rights Day. So it just took them until 2000 to rename it MLK Day. South Carolina was still trying to recognize things like Robert E. Lee Day. And there are certain states like Alabama, Mississippi, and Arkansas that have used the day and continue to use the day as a joint celebration of MLK and Robert E. Lee, which is like having the ideologies of two different religions tattooed on your body <laughs> doesn't doesn't make any sense. Um, but another interesting thing here, um, and this could be something that we see in relation to some of these Republican politicians who don't want to acknowledge Juneteenth, um, is that in 1987, um, the new Republican governor of Arkansas, um, Evan McCam, reversed the prior governor's dis- decision to recognize MLK Day. So, like, it was recognized as a state holiday, and then he undid it, um, and it wasn't returned to pay holiday status until 1992. So... Mm-hmm. It may take some time for all 50 of our states to fully recognize Juneteenth. Um, I can say Brian Kemp, the governor of my esteemed home state of Georgia, is already um, kind of waffling on this and following the logic of thinking that Americans are too stupid to be able to distinguish between what these days mean. Um, And he's saying that he's, quote, looking at the holiday designations for 2022 to see if Juneteenth will rise to the occasion. Um, Mind you, Georgia still has two state holidays that were originally um, slated for memorializing famous Confederate figures. So uh, my earlier point about being able to uh, pencil in Juneteenth instead of one of those still stands. Mm -hmm. They also don't like it because Biden did it. Like, you know, we know how this goes. Anything that Biden does, yeah. they're going to grasp at straws to figure out a way to complain about it. Yeah. And it's just interesting because the majority of Republicans were in favor of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you only have these 14 House Republicans. Um, so those could be people that could be a list you want to pull up if you're like, who who are like the real crazies right now? <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty amazing how, like you said at the top of this segment, so few people knew about Juneteenth just a few years ago. And mm-hmm. very quickly, we've already been able to recognize it as a federal holiday. That's yeah. really remarkable. And the thing is, the first the first Juneteenth was celebrated in 1866. So it has been celebrated and acknowledged for a very long time, just not through uh, the white lens, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, that tends to get the priority in this country. So I'm glad that Juneteenth is getting the attention it deserves. Before we move on, any closing thoughts or tips? Do some research because, you know, a lot of people have heard this term tossed around. There's a lot of great resources online so you can educate yourselves on like what this really means. Um, Might be a good day too to support some Black-owned businesses as well if you're trying Mm. to support the community that this is supposed to recognize yeah to recognize and it will be interesting to see how businesses states etc celebrate it next year because obviously this year it happened right before juneteenth it was yeah you know, federal you know assigned into no, law. like juneteenth car blowout sales or anything like oh, that God. Oh, be so tacky. <laughs> Let's hope not. you know that's gonna happen <laughs> i know that's i'm just like wishing that it won't i, but... I just mean with like people <laughs> Uh, being allowed to take off work and yeah i will say that um certain federal agencies did scramble to implement the day off um but it wasn't 
you know, fully implemented. So, yeah, because um, it, it was literally signed in like what the week of Juneteenth that Biden One, signed maybe it two days before. If that. Yeah. All right. Well, before we continue with today's episode and some surprise bitch, we have a word from another sponsor this week, their talk space. Trying to balance work, home, relationships, and everything else is challenging for everyone. After the emotionally draining year we all endured in 2020, there are positive things on the horizon in 2021. It's time to take what we learned in 2020 and start heading in a new direction. I know we celebrated Mental Health Awareness Month in May, but it should be our priority all year long. Take the first step with online therapy. That's why I want you to try Talkspace. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform that has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Your therapist can help you set and achieve your goals. Having someone to talk to and truly listen to you and give you advice makes all the difference. Your therapist will be focused on you and doing what they can to help you thrive. Talkspace is a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. Instead of waiting for an appointment, you can send unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7. I love being able to message my therapist in the moment rather than trying to remember everything I wanted to talk about at an appointment. You can send messages from wherever you are, too, making it very convenient all the time. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month of Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use code M-I-L-L to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's M-I-L-L and Talkspace.com. Okay, it's time for... Surprise! Surprise! Surprise, bitch! It's been a while since we've done this. Need to get back into the habit. My B. And today we're calling Cohen. Hi, this is Cohen. Are you vaccinated? (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) Hey, Cohen. Surprise, bitch! It's millennial. (laughs) Hi, yes, I'm vaxxed and waxed. Hot vax summer. (laughs) Yes. Ready for hot girl summer. Tell us about yourself. So I live in in Albuquerque in New Mexico. I'm just a CPA, so not too exciting. I just audit, uh, work with numbers. So (laughs) not the most thrilling career, but you know. Important work. Albuquerque. That's like a dream city to me. Is it as zen as it seems on Breaking Bad when they're not killing each other? I'm not from here, but ever since I moved here, it's it's been it's been all right, you know. I won't say there's a no violence, but <laughs> I haven't experienced anything. Yeah, um, they do a good job of hiding it. Okay, the, the druggies. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not a huge fan of Albuquerque, right? You kind of hinted. Yeah, I mean, to me, I moved here like six years ago, and um, I think it's kind of you know we've we've been here for a while, and it's time maybe time to move on. Um, we've kind of seen everything, but. It's cool. I mean, um, there's just not a lot going on, you know. Like you said, it's it's very relaxed, but that also means for the people that live here, we have to go to other cities to have fun. So yeah, and it is kind of remote. Like you're not particularly close to other cities, other than like Santa Fe. Yeah, that's remote too. Yeah, like Denver is like a six-hour drive, so that's probably the closest city. So yeah. not too exciting, but you know, I don't hate it. Okay. And Vegas is like eight hours, so yeah, it's kind of a jaunt. Yeah, but I think it's really cool there. We drove there once, but that was a little, a little crazy. Um, when I had an old car, it was like no cruise control, so we drove like all night um, back Ooh. in the college days. You oh know? <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty, pretty terrible. But yeah, now we can fly hopefully soon. So I'm excited to go in the in the fall hopefully. Oh, okay. To Vegas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Hit me up. We'll hire some hookers. We'll have a good time. Yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. No, seriously, do. Um, <laughs> question for you. Have you ever... So in After Dark today, we're going to be talking about the alleged intern who sent out this mass email to all HBO Max customers. Everybody was talking about it on Twitter, and it led people to start talking about mistakes they've made at work. Have you ever made a big mistake at work that you ended up feeling bad for, or maybe just like really guilty for? Or did you blame something on an intern? (laughs) 
<laughs> definitely blame stuff on interns. <laughs> but there have been a few instances. Like, I mean, I think one time, um, so we work really closely with like our clients, right? And um, we kind of have to have, we're like trying to advise them as, as much as we're trying to tell them they're wrong. Um, and so I, I think one time um, when I was very new, we were like having, having to calculate this this one number and I don't know, my, my math math skills aren't that good, even though I'm an accountant. Um, and I miscalculated it. And so we make this whole big deal. We got everyone involved, like <laughs> the client CFO, like controller, like, oh, this number is wrong. Um, then it turns out I just miscalculated it. So that was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, it it happens though. Yeah, but, but not too bad. I mean, I think otherwise, you know, I've, I, I guess one time I didn't realize the coffee, um, some, someone in our office like brews like cold brew. Um, so I just like poured a glass um, in the kitchen and then there, didn't realize it was like cold brew concentrate um, that you have to water down. Like, <laughs> I think it's like seven parts water, like one, one part <laughs> cold brew. So and that was kind of a mistake. Um, you know, it's just shivering all day. <laughs> yeah, I've, I think I've made that same mistake as well just going you just drinking cold brew concentrate straight and oh my god that is strong i was all new so i didn't want to say anything i was just sitting sipping my coffee and before i knew it yeah <laughs> <laughs> final question for you any questions for us so our first like post pandemic trip is going to be in like a couple of weeks to like the east coast like new england area um oh, awesome. and we don't really know what to do we're flying into new york and then we're um kind of driving all the way up to like Maine and like Vermont area so through like Boston all those kind of like coastal cities yeah so I have no idea I've never been there go to the if you're going to be in New York go to the Dead Poet it's a great bar on the Upper West Side uh near Columbia it's like I'm trying to remember the cross it's on Amsterdam one of the last times I was in New York City, uh, my friend found this place that we went to. We had such a good time. Don't tell Mama. It's a piano bar. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, I've been there before. Oh, <laughs> we had such a great time. It was so fun. We were sitting right in front of the piano and like the the uh, waiters were singing as they were serving their drinks and stuff and like collecting <laughs> drinks from the bar. I was like really into it. They actually have one in Vegas too. I I have to check it out. It's been a while since I've been to New York. I'm not sure what's uh what's still open and what's not. But if it's still open, uh, <laughs> there's a coffee place called Mud, which I really like. They used to have a truck over by Astor Place, but I think that they don't anymore. Uh, but they do have a physical location not far away. So if you're a coffee fan, I would recommend uh, getting something from there. Great. All right. Thanks, Cohen, for your support. We really appreciate it. I know you've been a longtime listener, so thank you very much for your support. Enjoy your New England trip. That sounds so great, going on a road trip. Such a good idea. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for calling yeah. me. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah All it right. was so good to talk to you. Have a good night and say hi to Walter and Jesse for me. <laughs> Will do. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. That was a Breaking Bad reference for people who haven't seen the show. It's my favorite oh, got, television show you. of all time. I've seen it multiple times. I've seen no other show multiple times. Please, everybody watch it. It's my heart, which I know is weird to say. It's a pretty fucked up show, but it's just that good, in my opinion. Speaking of patrons, we have a new variety show out in which we taste test hard seltzers we haven't had before, and we discuss the OG hard seltzer White Claw. Uh, This was a lot of fun. I was definitely more buzzed than I was letting on towards the end of it. Uh, I was like, I'm a little buzzed, but I was I was pretty buzzed. <laughs> Heart seltzers actually do a number on me. I'm, I'm just a lightweight. So that's at patreon.com slash millennial. Uh, that's where you can also support the show and receive instant access to loads of benefits in return, including ad-free millennial, our live streams, Zoom hangouts, and After Dark. And like I said, in After Dark, we're going to be talking about the quote unquote intern who screwed up. I actually have to, I'm, I'm going to have a little rage of the week about this. I hate that HBO had to go and blame the intern. Can you not? It's not always the intern's fault. I'll save it. I'll save it for after dark. It's time for recommendations. I've mentioned on the show a couple times, I have uh, gotten increasingly into building Legos and there's a show on Fox 
So actually, here's another show I watch on network TV now. Uh, Lego Masters season two is airing now. It uh, It's hosted by Will Arnett, who is really, really funny on the show. Like, I'm very pleasantly surprised by just how damn funny he is. And it's like it's like MasterChef and these other competition shows. But with Legos, they're all competing in one workroom together to create the best builds of the week. And there's fun challenges like blowing up the Legos, shaking the Lego sets, trying to prevent them from actually uh, collapsing during like a simulated earthquake. It's really fun. So Lego Masters season two airing now on Fox. I would like to recommend if you're ever needing to rent a truck or a cargo van, be sure to Google and even check some of the um, like travel deal websites you might normally check for flights. Um, so I had to transport a shower door down to my condo this weekend, and it was going to be too big for my car. Um, so I was like looking around, trying to see if I could rent a cargo truck. And uh, it was just going to be really expensive for like the half day that I needed it for. Even if I was going to rent it from Home Depot, it was going to be really, really expensive. So I actually ended up finding a deal through Priceline, of all things, where I was able to go to a car rental, like a Hertz or something like that, and rent a cargo van for a flat $50 fee. Um, for the whole day. And it just ended up being so much more convenient, so much cheaper um, than the alternative. So definitely do your research before you rent one of these. Don't think that you have to pay hundreds of dollars to rent one of these moving trucks. Um, I wanted to recommend The Orange Ears, which is a documentary on Hulu about the rise of Nickelodeon. Uh, it's just a really fun watch, especially if you were a fan of any of the shows from the 90s. Uh, they profile everything from, you know, uh, really big animated series like Doug and Ren and Stimpy to the original live action programming like Salute Your Shorts and they do a bunch of stuff with the game shows as well like Legends of the Hidden Temple. Uh, so if you were a fan of any of that, it's just really cool to hear from the minds that that created that uh, back when Nickelodeon was still kind of being born. That sounds right up my alley. It's really, really good. It's so fun. I can't believe I referenced two network television shows on the same episode. I'm like, I don't watch network television anymore. <laughs> like, Masters of Breaking Bad. <laughs> you know what's funny? I also love Breaking Bad, but I didn't watch that when it was uh, playing on cable. Like, I never watched it. It was on AMC, right? Yeah. I never watched it there. Yeah. It was on uh, Netflix after it aired mm -hmm. on AMC. And actually, so many other people are just like you. That's where it found its audience. So people would get actually addicted to it on Netflix and then go to AMC to watch the next season. Yep. Couple of reminders before we wrap up today's episode. Make sure you are following the show for free on your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. You can contact us by writing directly to millennialshow at gmail.com or by using the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And finally, you can follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye. Bye.